you like to better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant, but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Gail. So wonderful to be here again today, studying God's Word together. Amen. Well, our study today is going to be on good God, bad world, why? Mm. Very deep question. God has left his fingerprints across our world. The dazzling splendor of a sunset, the majesty of snow-capped mountain peaks, the glory of a starlit night, the beauty of an opening rosebud, And the carefree laughter of children playing speak to us of a loving God who delights in making his people happy. Another's fingerprints give evidence that someone else stalks our planet. Ours is a world in trouble, a world consumed with war, famine and poverty, a world writhing in sickness, disease and sorrow. Rising from this troubled planet, like an incense of doom, is the persistent question, why? Why war and suffering and heartache and death? Why? Doesn't God care? Are we only a forgotten cinder out on the edge of an unimportant galaxy, a world that doesn't matter? If God is a God of love, why is there so much suffering in our world? Why do the good suffer as well as the bad? Why? The Bible draws aside the curtain on one of life's greatest dramas, allowing us to look beyond the scenes in the great controversy between good and evil. So today's lesson will provide a clear answer to who is responsible for this world's suffering. It will also reveal God's ultimate solution to the problem of why innocent people suffer. Before we begin, Hannah, would you open with prayer? Sure, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for giving us the Bible. Thank you so much, Lord, that you are good God. Father, as we um, open our scripture and discuss why they are suffering, I just want to pray, Lord, that you will pour your spirit upon each one of us, Lord. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us, lead us, and teach us, Lord. May you be the teacher and please touch our heart. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. Well, is God the author of human suffering? What is God's eternal nature? So there's two questions there, and we've got two Bible verses, but we'll look up Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 
3 to begin. Yes, it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Hmm. So it's telling us there that God is a God of loving kindness. Yes. Oh, oh, I love how it says with an everlasting love. It does not change. It never changes. Um, never ceases. A, never that's stops. Right. Well, also, First John chapter 4 and verse 8. What does the Bible say there, Hannah? It says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the essence of God's nature is love. Mm. He desires only what is best for us. All of his actions toward us are loving. They are designed to produce lasting happiness. So we've looked at a verse in the Old Testament and a verse in the New, Mm. and they are both telling us the same thing about God. God would never do anything that is not ultimately for our best good. Mm. For God to act any other way than loving would be to act contrary to his very nature. Wow. Well, if God is not responsible for human suffering, where did it originate? I'm going to turn to the book of Matthew, Hannah, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 to 28. Yes, it is the story of parable. I'll read from verse 24. It says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? So Hannah, according to the parable, which is a story with the heavenly meanings, Jesus is sharing this story, and they would have been very familiar with Sowers sowing seed in the field. (laughs) And I'm sure they had a problem with weeds in Mm. those times as well. Yes. But who did Jesus say was represented by the sower of the weeds? He said, an enemy has done this. An enemy. So who is the enemy? Mm. What does Jesus go on to say in verse 39 of chapter 13 of Matthew? Yes, it says, The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the um, reaper are the angels. That's a massive parable, don't you think? Mm. That there will be a harvest at the end of the age. Mm. But... That's something we'll discuss in another uh, Bible study topic. But we do have an enemy at large. Mm. Well, since God is not the author of sin and suffering, whom did sin originate with? Who is this enemy? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 
He who sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So there's a devil. Now, where did this diabolical being come from, mm. Hannah? In Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. The Bible says, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, those words were the words of who actually said those words? Jesus. Jesus said those words. So he actually saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hmm. So we're going to need to unpack this a little more. Sounds like he came from heaven itself. Yes, it is a bit surprising. Is the devil coming from heaven? How did that happen? That is shocking. (gasps) But true. Hmm. The devil originated in heaven. Oh, he was not a devil, though, when God created him. Many people imagine the devil as dwelling in some hot spot of burning flames deep within the bowels of the earth. On the contrary, the devil fell from heaven. Mm. So let's go to the ancient book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 to 15, Hannah, where we're going to look at the question, did God create a devil. Mm. The Bible says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and said to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond burial. Um, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold, the workmanship of your um, timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stone. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So Hannah, does it sound like God created a devil? No. He was um, perfect. He was a beautiful angels. Um, full of wisdom. So God created him very beautifully, um, wise and um, perfect. So that's how God created. Amen. He, he was a magnificent angel. And it's interesting too to note that even the angels were given the power to choose because mm. love gives you the right to say yes or to say no. Just like Adam and Eve were created with with those moral reasonings, that moral power, and God created the angels with the with the same ability, mm. the capacity to choose. That is true. He didn't create angels or humans as a robot. He gave us choice to make. Yes, but there is a risk for that. 
There is. That's so true, Hannah. Mm. And to remove the power of choice is to remove the power to love. Genuine love is not forced or coerced. It springs from divine love. But as you read there, Hannah, he was perfect. He was clothed in jewels. He obviously had extremely high intelligence, mm. um, perfect in wisdom, perfect in beauty. There was nothing that he lacked, and he was in the very presence of God. To take away the power of choice is to destroy the ability to love. Mm. To destroy the ability to love is to deny the opportunity to be fully happy and completely free. Since God longs for all his creatures to be fully happy and free, he has given them the power of choice, the freedom to choose. Mm. Well, what occurred in Satan's mind to lead to open rebellion? We go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. What would cause this perfect, beautiful, wise, powerful angel Mm. to be unhappy or to rebel against his creator? Yes, the Bible says... How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Wow. There's a lot of eyes there, Hannah. That's right. I will, I will, I will. It's interesting mm. that he was not called the devil in heaven, but his name was Lucifer. Lucifer, mm. which means light bearer. Mm. So God created a beautiful light bearing angel who used his position to challenge God's authority. What's some of the things he wanted? <laughs> Yes, that God, that God naturally had. Mm. Ascend into heaven, exalt, exalt my throne. Um, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Sounds like he wants people to worship him. <laughs> um, ascend above the heads of the cloud, and eventually I will be like the Most High. And when he says that, he doesn't mean that he wants the character of God, because. God's character is love. He wanted the position or um, heights, like um, authority of God. Yes, that's so true, Hannah. He did. He wanted God's power, Mm. his position and his authority. Yes. But he was a created being. How Mm. could he ever be God? That's right. Lucifer defiantly declared, as you read there, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my Mm. throne. I will ascend above the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I, I, I. Well, pride gradually developed in his heart. Lucifer came to believe God was arbitrary, Mm. unfair, and unjust, he concluded that he could run the heavenly government better 
than God. Mm. What did this open rebellion lead to? And what ultimately happened to Lucifer, to Satan, as a result? We go to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 12 and verses 7 through to 9. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angel fought with a dragon, and the dragon and his angel uh, fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the servant of all, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angel were cast out with him. Amazing, Hannah. Mm. So... This open rebellion ultimately led to his expulsion from heaven itself, Mm. where he was in the very presence of God, where he must have been part of that angelic choir, or as as it said there in the... talked about his pipes there in in the book of Ezekiel. Mm. He obviously had the gift of music. Mm. He was a very gifted and talented angelic being of one of the highest order. Yes. Every angel chose either the path of loyalty or that of rebellion. Mm. And the same option is available to every human being today as well. There are only two ways, the way of loyalty to God or the way of rebellion against God. But Hannah, there was nothing that he was lacking to make him miserable in heaven Mm. other than his own heart and what he wanted, which he could never be. Mm. Because everything he ever needed to make life complete, God had given him. Yes. And so much more. Mm. When you think about God's character as a God of unfailing love, one ponders at why he was so discontent Mm. that that problem of I, of self selfishness got in the way. Yes. Well, how did our world become involved in the conflict between good and evil? Romans 5 and verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and the death through him, uh, through sin, and thus Death spread to all men because all sinned. Mm. So this problem has infiltrated humanity. We need to go back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 through to 6. By the way, Hannah, when Lucifer, well, our adversary, when Satan was cast out of heaven... We may go back there a little later and just have a look at how many actually followed him and sympathized with him Mm. and left heaven. So he did not just keep this malice and discontent to himself. But we'll unpack that a little more as we go on. Yes. But here, what does the Bible say in Genesis 3, 1 to 6? 
It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruits of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the women, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the days you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the women saw that the tree was good for food, that it was present to the eye, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Through deliberate disobedience, Adam, the head of the human family, opened a door that God desired shut forever. His conscious choice to disobey separated him from God and resulted in death. Our world was not created as a dumping off place for Satan. It was created perfect. Through sin, Adam's dominion was forfeited. But we must not lay all the responsibility for sin upon our first parents. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 3.23. What does God say there, Hannah, in Romans 3.23? It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's including us, isn't it? We are all sinners by birth. Mm. We inherited a sinful nature from Adam. We're also sinners by choice. Through our own deliberate disobedience, we have participated in Adam's sin of rebellion against God. Mm. And as a result of our fall, what does Satan now claim as his? In the book of Luke, chapter 4, Verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, Then the devil, taking him up on a, a high mountain, showed him all the kingdom of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Wow. So he's claiming. This world is his. That's right. And he believes he has the authority mm. to give it to him, ever he wishes. Mm. Well, what has God done to redeem this planet in rebellion? John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is a very well-known verse. Yes. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's so much hope in that verse. Amen. Believing in God, Mm. believing in what his Son has done for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. It says, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
So no amount of money could ever pay for our redemption. That's right. With a heart of inexhaustible, infinite love, God decided to pay the price of sin himself. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came to this sin-cursed world. He entered into the arena of human affairs to redeem us from the curse of sin. What an amazing God we have. What promises does God give his children who are caught in the grip of suffering mm. and injustice? There's a promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a wonderful promise to claim. Yes. When you take God at his word, he will honor his word. Mm. And he does say, Them that honor me. I will honor. Mm. He will make a way of escape for us when we really feel we can't go on any further. Wow, such a promise. It is. Mm. And there's another promise in Isaiah 41 and verse 13. The Bible says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. That's a powerful promise too, Hannah. Mm. In the midst of our personal suffering, God promises to be with us. He promises never to allow any temptation of the evil one to overwhelm us. He promises to provide strength to meet the temptations of each day. In tones of tenderest love, he encourages us with these simple words. As you read, Hannah, fear not. I will help you. Mm. I will uphold you with my victorious yes. right hand. Well, what is going to be Satan's ultimate fate? Ezekiel 28, verse 16 to 19. Yes, we go back to um, Ezekiel where we were reading. Um, from verse 16, it says, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I raise you before king that they might gaze at you. You defy your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Amen. That's such powerful words from God's yes. servant uh, to be written there in the book mm. of Ezekiel for us to read. It's going to be no more forever. So he is coming to an end. Yes. Satan is soon to be defeated and destroyed. Mm. 
and through Calvary's cross, he has been proven a liar because God is love. Love. And he stretched out his hands on Calvary's cross to prove that Mm. because he died for the sins of every person if they will just reach out and accept him by faith as their personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The cross really manifests the love of Jesus, love of um, Christ, love of God. But at the same time, it really shows how um, evil the Satan is to putting the um, innocent Jesus on the cross. That's so true, Hannah. He's been alive from the very beginning. And even as you were reading before there, where you began in Ezekiel 28 and verse 16, by the abundance of your trading, you Mm. became filled with violence within and you sinned. He was trading in lies about God even in heaven itself. That's right. There was no money, (laughs) the currency there, but it was the way of argument or um, politics or um, the way that Satan was trading the wars of um, evil. Trying to undermine God's character. That's right. Undermine his government, Mm. undermine his law. Envy and jealousy for Mm. God, Mm. which is played out upon planet Earth as as Eve was deceived in the garden and as the whole human race have been swept in. We are born with this sinful nature because Mm. we're all descendants from Adam and Eve. But yes, God is love. What greater love could he show the world than to come and die for the sins of the human race to offer us the hope of life eternal if we will just accept him. Mm. The principle of God's government is love and this will ensure the happiness of his creatures throughout all eternity. We can be on the winning side The devil is going to come to an end. And although the Bible tells us in Revelation, reading one more verse there, Hannah, in Revelation 12, it tells us uh, that his time is running out. Mm. But it does tell us there that he's come down to us with great wrath. And uh, Hannah, if you would read for us, verse of chapter 12 of Revelation and verse 12. Yes, the Bible says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Water the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Mm. I do believe he knows that time is running out for Mm. him. And so he's truly causing so much havoc but if we keep our eyes on Jesus we can have victory in him amen and although when satan fell from heaven as you read earlier that his angels were cast out with him hannah he did not create those angels but he did deceive them yes in heaven itself mm. and they have joined him in this great controversy against God in heaven. Yeah. And uh, just a thought there in Revelation 12, and if you could read for us verse 4. Yes. 
The Bible says his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. We're just looking at the word picture there because this dragon, which is represented as Satan, Satan. and he drew, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. Mm. Hannah, who are those stars referring to? Stars, it's referring to the angels. Those angels that listened and sympathized with him in heaven. That's right. So they've come down with him. And so... Not only will Satan be destroyed, but all evil will be destroyed yes. one day soon. Mm. That's going to be good news. Amen. Well, we could tell Jesus, Lord, I choose to stand with you. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I invite you to enter my life as my King. What will God eventually do with this planet in Second Peter Chapter 3, verses 10 through to 13. The Bible says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, we are calling to his promise. Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So God is going to win out. God is going to recreate this yes. world. God will recreate the atmosphere. Mm. There will the devil will come to his end. We have another study on that when that will take place. Mm. But God's word is true and trustworthy. We can, we can take God at his word. He will not tell us a lie. That's right. God is love. Well, we're making a decision on these Bible verses and this topic today. And we can decide to accept Jesus as our personal savior and surrender our lives to him. Mm. And I would like to accept Christ as my personal saviour today and I'm choosing to surrender my life to him. And I pray that those that are listening in and Hannah, that that would be our desire together. Amen. We can also choose to desire him to rule in the kingdom of our hearts. We, we want him to take up the the throne room of our heart, the Lord Jesus. And in doing that, we can also choose to have Jesus as the master of my life. Amen. That's not just meaning just for a moment or just for a day, mm. but a partnership, a relationship going forward until he comes again. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, as you speak to our hearts today, we are opening our heart to you to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that you will come into our life. We ask, O oh Lord, that you may take up residence in our heart. 
We're choosing you, Lord, to rule in the kingdom of our heart, not our ways, but yours, that we may have that peace, Lord, that comes from partnering with you. You have come so far from heaven. Mm. You came so long ago to take our place, to die the death that we deserve so that we may have a life that measures with yours when you come in the clouds of glory. Till then, O oh Lord, may we choose today that to allow you to be master of our lives, that each and every day we may have the assurance of life and a life more abundant because, Jesus, in you there is life, there is hope, there is love, there is peace, and there is victory over sin and Satan and the temptations that come to us. Strengthen us and protect us from the evil one, and may your name be glorified in our lives is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you so much for joining us today as you've been listening in. And Hannah, it's been so wonderful to be here in the studio today with you and studying together. Thank you, Gail. And we hope that and pray that our listeners will come back and join us again. But till then, may God bless you and may you go in peace. questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, dot org dot au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Ooh. Mm-hmm.
sang For God So Loved the World. And coming up next, the Clark family will sing Middle of My Storm. I've been there in the lowest of times. I've had questions in my mind. I've been scared. But I know That I have a Savior Who knows right where I am And hears my prayer In the midst of all the problems And burdens of this life I will call upon the one Who can get me through the night Lord, hold my hand In the middle of my storm I'm sinking down Lord help me to stand When the waves are crashing round May I keep my eyes on you Cause Lord you're the only one Who can help me get through The middle of my Get through 
are the only one who can help me get through the middle of my storm. The middle of my storm. My has found a resting place not in a man-made creed I trust the ever-living one that he
That was Fountain View Academy with My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. Welcome to God's Favorite Shepherds, a collection of 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters, with many of the stories ending with a short quiz. Listen now to the author of God's Favorite Shepherds, Bill Ackland. This story comes from what we term as the Old Testament, and it's entitled, A Mother Gives Away Her Son. And the story is to be found in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. Ramatham Zophim, that is also known as Rama, is situated in the hill country of Ephraim, about 15 kilometres north of Jerusalem. This is my hometown. My husband's name is Elkanah, meaning God has redeemed. He is from the tribe of Levi. 18 generations from that son of Jacob of the same name. My life is not a happy one, for I am constantly mocked by Elkanah's other wife, Penina, who has many sons and daughters. I have none. My husband assures me he loves me dearly. He says that he is surely better to me than 10 sons, but that only serves to remind me I do not have 10 sons, not even one. My life to me is one long heartache bathed in many tears. As my husband is a Levite, we make the journey together every year to Shiloh, which is the place where the tabernacle is located. Here he performs his duties and here we worship God. On one of our annual visits, I was weeping as I prayed silently in the tabernacle courtyard. I asked God, that if he would give me a son, then I would return him to God to serve him all the days of his life. He would be a Nazarite, dedicated to God for special service. Eli, the high priest of the time, noticed my lips were moving, and thinking that I was affected by strong drink, admonished me. He said I should not do such a thing, especially coming to the house of the Lord in such a state. I assured him that I was not drunk, but in agony of spirit, I was praying to the Lord for a blessing that only he could give. I was encouraged when the high priest said, May God grant you peace and the answer to your request. That made me happier, and I felt like eating again. The time came for us to return to Rama. Imagine my joy when, not long after we returned home, I realized I was pregnant. After all these years of unhappiness, I could not adequately express the joy in my heart. When my baby boy was born, I called him Samuel, which means heard by God. When it was time for Elkanah to perform his work at the tabernacle the next year, all the family but Samuel and I went to Shiloh. I told my husband that I would not go up to worship until my baby was weaned. 
Then I would go to present him to the Lord, to live and work at the tabernacle and serve God in that special way. God had heard my prayers. I had promised to give my son back to the Lord and I was determined to fulfill my promise. It would be painful, though, not to have my precious little boy at home with me. I was impressed that Samuel would do a great work for God. Israel surely needed someone to keep the nation true to our wonderful Lord. How my heart ached for my dear boy, especially when he was very young. I knew, though, that this was the right thing to do, especially when he became an adult and the judge and prophet of our nation. When Samuel was about three years of age, he was weaned. Now it was time for me to make the long journey to Shiloh to formally give him to God at the tabernacle. I took animals to sacrifice and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine for the ceremony. Eli met me outside the tabernacle. I reminded him that I was the woman who had prayed so earnestly to the Lord that day three years ago and that I was not drunk as he had supposed I was. Here is my son, I said. I have lent him to the Lord for the rest of his life. He shall be his for as long as he lives. The years went by. We continued to worship each year. Then I would take a garment I had made for my son, each just a little larger than the one I made for him the previous year. For my act of thanks and devotion for giving me a son, God rewarded me by blessing me with a number of sons and two daughters. Never had I thought, when I wept for my childless grief, that I would one day be the mother of many children. My name is Hannah, which means graciousness. I would now like to share with you the prayer I sang that God inspired me to sing in gratitude for his great blessings. My heart exults in the Lord my God. I am made strong in the Lord. I can smile now at those who mock me, for I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy but the Lord, for there is none just like you. You are the great rock on which we rest. Let no one boast in his presence. Let no pompous words come from our mouths, for it is the Lord who is the God of all knowledge. Only he can determine the reasons for our actions. The mighty are soon humbled when their bows are broken, but those who felt defeated are given extra strength. The wealthy now have to labour for their bread, but those who are hungry are now full. She who is barren has seven children, and she who has borne many is now frail. The Lord can bring death and make alive again, he places men in the grave and can bring them out. The Lord brings poverty and gives riches. He humbles the proud and exalts the humble. For those who struggle for their daily bread, he places ample food on their table. He dusts off the ashes from the beggar, placing them among the princes of the country and gives them a right to a glorious throne. For the foundations of the earth were established by the Lord, and the world rests upon them. He will protect the feet of the saints wherever they walk, but no sound will come from the wicked in their dark place. A man shall not prevail by his own strength, for those who fight against the Lord will end up in little pieces. He will send his loud thunder against them. 
the Lord will judge to the furthest parts of the earth. He will give strength to his own king and exalt the might of his anointed. And so ends Hannah's story. There is now a brief quiz concerning this story, so see how you do in answering these questions. What was the name of the tribal land where Elkanah's family lived? How far from Jerusalem was their hometown of Ramah? What work did Elkanah do once a year? Did Hannah have any more children after Samuel? You've been listening to God's Favoured Shepherds, a book with 39 short stories rounding out the lives of mainly lesser-known Bible characters. If you have any comments or questions, or to obtain a copy of this book, give us a call within Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you. You have been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.